Well, good morning. It's uh, wonderful to be here today. Uh, for those of you that haven't, I used to come here every year on this Sunday, I think, because they knew that not many people would be here, so I couldn't do that much damage. So for those of you that didn't know, haven't seen me before, I'm different from some of the other ministers that you might have seen because I'm not very good at it. But it's okay because, you know, I start out slow and then I, I get worse. But we'll give it our best shot. And, you know, it's the last Sunday of the year, so what are you going to do? Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Our Father, we are thankful that you are here with us and that despite our own inabilities and despite our own our own issues, that you, you bless us and you give us great and wonderful things through your word. We pray that as we look at your word this morning, that this will be a, a wonderful time together, that you will speak to us, that you will bless us, that we will know that we have been given a message from You. And we pray this in the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the, the, the end of the year is sort of a maudlin time in, in some ways because it's like another year's over. It's kind of like that, that John Lennon song, you know, so this is Christmas, what have you done? Another year's over, new one's begun. Here we are at the end of another year, and there's this sense in which at the end of a year, it's, it's maudlin because it, it reminds us of our own mortality. It reminds us of the fact that just like years, we have a beginning and an end, and a time in which we will live, and a time in which our living will be over. And just like the year has this time at which it is coming to an end, there will come to all of us a time in which our life will be coming to an end. And what is it that we're supposed to do or remember when we come to the end of our lives? I saw an interesting study this, this week, actually, and it said that young people often regret doing things that they've done, but older people often regret having not done things that they didn't do. I thought, isn't that interesting? That you, you're sitting in the nursing home saying, man, you know, I wish I'd bungee jumped. That would have been it. But it's this sense in which you get to your, at the end of your life and you're not so concerned about what you did as you are about concerned about those many opportunities that got away from you that you didn't take. And so I'd like for us to read today a passage of Scripture in which there's this sort of a story that Jesus tells us about sheep and goats. It's in Matthew chapter 25, if you have your text with you. And in Matthew 25, I'll read, I'll start reading in verse 31. This, this is the last state, statement of Jesus in Matthew. You know that Matthew, of course, is built in, in a sense of five sayings of Jesus, starting with the Sermon on the Mount, and there are five large blocks of the sayings of Jesus. This this here in Matthew 25 is the last part of the last saying of Jesus. And so we'll read it together, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. And this is what the Word of the Lord says, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, and He will sit on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another. 
as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they themselves will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, or did not take care of you? And then he will say, answer these, saying, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What is it that Jesus wants us to remember from this simile that he has here? It's not exactly a parable. It's not a full-blown parable in which there are characters and the characters do things. But it's a simile. Jesus says there are two kinds of people in the world, the sheep and the goats. And he uses this simile to try to try to tell us something, something that we should remember here at the end of the year. Three things, I think, that we should remember at the end of the year. And so on this last Sunday, let's take these three things out with us. The first thing that we should remember is that there's coming an end to every single life. You'll notice in verse 32 that this, this is uh, the coming of the Lord, and the Lord comes and all the nations are gathered together, and this is the end of life as we know it. The life on earth as we know it has now come to an end. The Lord has come back and He is gathering all of these people together. And He is reminding us that there is coming an end to every single life. One of the things that you'll notice if you go home and read this passage in its entire context, chapter 24 and 25, you'll notice that Matthew 24 is this passage that you've heard all the time read aloud or preached on. Matthew 24 is that passage about Jesus coming back and the temple being destroyed and thousands of people being killed and the Son of Man coming with His angels. And you've heard all kinds of people talk about that. You've heard all kinds of people tell tell you when that's going to happen and what that means and all kinds of things like that. But you'll notice that very few people have ever followed it up with the ethical implication that Matthew 25 gives us. There are lots of people who want to talk about eschatology. The Lord is coming and great and tremendous things that are happening. Read it in the newspaper every day. Lord is coming. There are those people that want to say those kinds of things, but they very rarely get us 
to, to think about what does that mean that we ought to be doing today in our own lives. Jesus wants us to recognize that the fact that the Lord is coming reminds us that there will come an end to every one of our lives. It, our lives will come to an end in one of two ways. Either we will die or we will be taken to meet the Lord or we will meet Him as He comes. In chapter 24, Jesus talks about the tremendous number of deaths that will happen at the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, you, I'm sure, remember Josephus, the first century Jewish historian. He talks about the terrible, terrible thing it was in 70 A.D. What happened was that the Roman government just decided that it had had enough of the Jewish people trying to overthrow the government. And so they decided to just essentially put to death as many Jewish people as they could. The Jewish people uh, sort of went into the city of Jerusalem and stayed behind the walls in the city, and the Roman government said, that's fine, stay in there as long as you want. We know that eventually you'll run out of food and water. We're not going to come in there and lose our men trying to get you out. We'll just wait. And so they did. And Josephus says that several things happen. First, when they ran out of food and water, many people tried to escape, and the Roman soldiers ringed the whole city, and so when anybody ever tried to escape, the soldiers would grab them and crucify them outside. And the soldiers made a game of figuring out different ways that they could put people to death, different positions in which they could crucify people. And then Josephus says, inside the city, food and water became so difficult to get that these people began to, to sell their children for food. Josephus goes into this detail about what a terrible, terrible thing it is. And so, when we read this passage, we cannot help but think about the fact that death is going to come to every single one of us in one way or another. But that's not the most pleasant thing for most of us to think about. I mean, it's not... Most of us don't sit around thinking about, you know, let's get an RC and a moon pie and talk about dying. That's it's not normal for most people, I have heard. It's just, it's not what you do. I mean, you don't, most people anyway, don't go down and, and pick out their funeral suit that they want to be buried in. You know, it's, this doesn't look like much standing up, but laying down, it's, it looks great. It's, 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 because we're, we're not really comfortable with dying, you see. We're not, as, as, as much as we say, that we're Christians and that we're going to be with the Lord, there's something in us that says, you know, I really don't want to die. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's something placed in us by God, but we have to also come to the realization that no matter how hard we try, we're going to come, every life is going to come to an end. There's the second thing that we should remember. And not only should we remember that Every life is going to come to an end, either when we die or when the Lord comes back. But we should remember that there's a coming judgment to every life. And you'll notice in verses 32 through 34, Jesus talks about that coming judgment. He talks about what's going to happen there. And He says, he says what's going to happen is that Jesus is going to gather these nations together, and He's going to say, there are two kinds of people here sheep and goats, and that judgment is going to include everyone. And that's the reason that he says in verse 32, all the nations will be gathered together before him. 
All of these people will stand before the Lord, and the Lord will look at every single one of us, and the Lord will say, it's either a sheep or a goat. Only one of those two alternatives. Those are the only two alternatives that you have. You can either be a sheep or a goat. Every one of us who today sits here in this auditorium will one day stand before God, and God will say, either you're a sheep or you're a goat. And either you will go to live with Him, or, as in the latter part of the story, those who are goats will go and be with the devil and his angels in the hell that was prepared not for mankind, but for the devil and his angels. That's a, that's a frightening thought. I mean, nobody, nobody wants to, to think about their own judgment. I mean, no matter how much we've done that's good, no matter how much we've done that's really godly, we know that deep down in our hearts we've got some serious problems, and deep down in our hearts there are some things that we have done that we shouldn't have. We know that there are things that, that we shouldn't have done that we have done. And we know that this judgment is a scary thing. And that's why Jesus wants us to remember the third thing and the most important thing. He wants us to remember not only that there's coming an end to every life, and not only that at the end of every life there's coming a judgment, but He wants us to remember, thirdly and most importantly, that this judgment will take place based upon our own Christianity. If you read this, this story in Matthew that Jesus told, you almost get the sense that Matthew is, is legalistic in the theological sense of the word. You almost get the sense that Matthew is saying, or Jesus is saying here, that whether or not you're a sheep or a goat depends upon what you've done, depends upon how you've treated other people. If, if all you had were this story of Jesus teaching, it would be easy enough to think that Jesus says to us, what, what really matters in our life is how we've treated other people, whether we've helped the poor, whether we've, whether we've tried to, to give to those who are in need, whether we've, we've tried to do the right thing for those who, who couldn't help themselves. Well, there are two things that you should realize. First, the parable does, the story does say that, but second, that's not all that it says. That's not all that Matthew says. That's not all that Jesus says. Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, makes it very clear that Christianity comes out of the fact that we are a follower of Jesus the Messiah. And He says to us that those who follow Jesus the Messiah show that they're truly followers of Jesus by the way that they live their lives. That's the reason, for example, in Matthew 18, or in, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, that, that Jesus has, in, in Matthew 18, there's this parable of a man who's for, forgiven of a lot of money, and then he, he goes and doesn't forgive another person, and the king then takes his forgiveness back. And people have often said, you know, how in the world can this be done? And how in Matthew 18, at the end of the, at the end of the chapter, can, can Jesus say, my father will do the same thing to you if you do not forgive other people from your heart? How is it that Jesus can say that if you don't forgive other people from your heart, that, that you're go not going to be forgiven? It seems as if Jesus is saying there's some kind of a salvation based on works. 
How is it that Jesus can say in this passage that whether we're a sheep or a goat is based upon how we've treated those who can't help themselves? It seems as if there's some kind of a works salvation there. But what Jesus is saying in the Gospel of Matthew is that if our, if our following of Jesus Christ doesn't change the way that we act, if it doesn't change the way that we forgive other people, if it doesn't change the way that we treat other people, if it doesn't change the way that we help other people who cannot help themselves, then we really are not followers of Jesus Christ. We can say whatever we want to. We can come into the church. We can sing songs. We can dress nice, wear a bow tie, do all of those things. But at the end of the day, whether or not you're a sheep or a goat depends upon whether or not you are really a member of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, you are show yourself to be a member of the kingdom of God by the way that you treat other people. That doesn't, it doesn't earn you your Christianity, you see. Jesus is not saying you earn your Christianity by the thing, by the way you treat other people. He's not saying that. He's saying, he's saying, he's saying you show your Christianity. You show that you're a true follower of Jesus Christ by the way that you help those people who are poor and who are mistreated and those people who can't pay you back. I mean, all of us are really glad to help someone whom we know can somehow help us back, aren't we? We're glad to give up a parking space in church to someone that we know gives a lot of money to the church. I mean, hey, we, you know, we, we want to give that guy. But to give up a seat to a homeless person, well, that's a little bit different. It, it asks a little bit more of us. And Jesus is saying to us, very specifically, He's saying there are Christian brothers and sisters all over the world who desperately need our help, who don't have the kind of opportunities that we have here in the United States, who don't have the kind of wonderful places to come and worship that we have in the United States, who don't have schools to go to, who don't have parents, many of them, who don't have enough food. And Jesus is saying, those brothers and sisters of yours need your help. And you show yourself, you show your real Christianity by the way that you treat your brothers and sisters. Jesus is asking us, if I were to come today into this church and I were to ask you, are you a sheep or a goat? And then I were to ask you, okay, what have you done in your life to show me that you're a sheep or a goat? What would you be able to say? Don't get me wrong. Don't think that I'm saying that your Christianity depends upon what you've done. Our Christianity clearly depends only upon what Christ has done. But Matthew is very clear in saying to us that once we have decided to follow Jesus Christ, then it ought to make a difference in our lives. And one of the things that it ought to make a difference in is the way that we treat other people. You may have heard the story 
it's a wonderful story of uh, Anthony Campolo tells it. He was speaking in, in Hawaii, and because of the time, I don't know if you've ever traveled halfway around the world, but it's a, it's a I haven't traveled to Hawaii, but I've, I've traveled to Korea, and it's a, it's a unsettling experience. You know, it's like all of a sudden a day and a half is gone, and you're, it's midnight, and the sun is up in the middle of the sky. It's just, and, and, and you're just, everything's wrong and weird. And so he couldn't sleep. You know, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon by his body clock, but it's 2 o'clock in the morning in Hawaii. And so he leaves the hotel where he was staying, and he goes in, and he goes to this coffee shop. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I mean, who else is in a coffee shop but, you know, a couple of hookers and some winos, and that's about it. And he overhears... One of the ladies of the evening, he overhears one of them saying that tomorrow would be her birthday. And so he says, this is a great idea. He says, after she leaves, this is what we've got to do. He says, tomorrow night, when she comes back in, because he asked the owner of the coffee shop, he says, does she come in every night? Oh, every night she comes in. He says, tomorrow night when she comes in, we got to have a birthday party for her. we got to have a cake. we got to have a, you know, a... a banner, we could have a couple presents, it's just, just going to be great. And so he passed the word to some of the other girls that, that the person who owned the coffee shop knew. And that night, when three or four in the morning, when that this girl comes in, who whom it was her birthday, she comes in, and her friends are there, and they have a birthday cake, and they're singing, and she just breaks down crying, and she says, nobody has ever given me a birthday cake before. This is the first birthday party I've ever had in my life. And so the owner of the owner of the coffee shop says to Campolo, he says, what, what kind of work do you do? Why are you here in the middle of the night? He says, well, I'm a, I'm a preacher. He says, you ain't no preacher. Come on. He says, no, I'm a preacher. He says, well, what kind of a church do you preach at? He says, I preach at a church that gives... Birthday parties for, for whores. And the owner said, there ain't no church like that. If there was, I'd go to it. And you ever stop to think that maybe, maybe the reason that we're not reaching some people is that we don't really care about them. That maybe... Maybe we could be different. There's that, that U2 song, Acrobat, that says, I'd join a movement if there was one I could believe in. I'd break bread and wine if there was a church I could receive in, because I need it now to take the cup, to fill it up, to drink it slow. We could be that movement. We could be that church who visits the poor and feeds the hungry, and lets the stranger in, and goes to see the prisoners. We could be the ones who make a difference. I've thought a lot about this picture. It's a picture of a man preaching to a congregation like this. But when you look closely at the congregation, you see some of the people have faces that look like sheep, 
And some of the people have faces that look like goats. That's a scary, scary picture. It's a scary picture for me because I have to make sure that my love of Christ is affecting me in the way that it should. And I hope that today, on this last Sunday of the year, that this story will affect you, that it will affect you in a way that you will say you can make a difference, and that people will say, if you heard about what they're doing down at that church, that's the kind of church that I want to go to, because that's the kind of church that's doing the things that Jesus talked about. Let's pray. Our Father, we are, we are sorry for those many opportunities that you've given us that we didn't take advantage of. We ask that you will forgive us for those. But we also ask, Lord, that you will renew us and give us other opportunities that you will remind us of this story, that you will remind us that every time that we give a cup of cold water in your name, every time that we visit the sick, every time that we go to see someone who is in prison, we go to see you. And we ask that you will remind us of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.